Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, everybody. It's another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. My name is... Nathan King got a bit of a newsy edition of the show breaking news edition Auburn has landed on both of its coordinators ahead of Monday starting We're recording this here on Sunday evening hello to our uh, our live stream viewers on both YouTube and Facebook and I'm joined here by Mr. Mark Murphy and it appears that Hugh Freeze has landed on his two coordinators um, reports coming in this evening both Philip Montgomery as Auburn's new offensive coordinator and Ron Roberts as Auburn's new defensive coordinator. These are a couple names that have been floated around. We had mentioned the past couple days on our site. Um, and as we were mentioning before we started, Mark, you, you can go a, you can go an avenue of you know a, a bunch of different avenues when you're looking at strengths of coaches. The strength here is experience that and scheme. That is what Hugh Freeze will be leaning on with both of these guys. They're not the they're not the young splashy. Hires. I don't think it's necessarily a recruiting-driven hire with both these guys. That, that's not the the coordinators are never really the lifeblood of your recruiting. But I think you look at both of these guys on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball have had at least a couple very successful stints as an offensive and, and defensive assistant coach, and so you're really sort of leaning experience here um, with both Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts. Oh, you're right about that, and uh, you know. I was kind of expecting this thing to be done, you know, last week, Nathan, but uh, December 21st to 23rd is the early signing period. So it's, you know, that's when they need to make sure at at least the defensive coordinator to me was the really urgent one because they're going to run Hugh Freeze's style of offense. And, you know, that's his background, but I think the defensive coordinator hire was a very important one because, uh, you know, if I'm a recruit out there, I really want to know, you know, what they're going to do. Are they going to run a three-four front? They're going to run a four-three. Um, are they going to be a, a group that's really dependent on its linebackers? Are they going to be a team that blitzes a lot? And so now um, they should be able to tell those recruits and have a 
uh, have the coordinators, particularly the defensive coordinator, build relationships with the new guys coming in. And plus, you know, there's guys that might be on the fence from the 2022 Auburn team trying to decide whether or not they're going to come back or get in the transfer portal. And this will help them make that decision as well, Nathan. We'll start with the defensive side of the ball. That was the one that popped first this evening. Ron Roberts, if if anyone remembers, funny enough, Mark, these are actually both former Baylor coordinators, but if anyone remembers a couple years ago, actually last the 2021 season, when Baylor won the Big 12 behind just a nasty defense, finished number nine overall in the country, that was Ron Roberts. He's been the defensive coordinator at Baylor since 2022. At the end of this season, they decided to let him and the safeties coach there at Baylor go. It really wasn't a huge drop-off. Well, I mean, it, it, compared to what they did, compared to you know being a top-10 defense in the country, was a decent drop-off there. Baylor, I think, was still 58th, 59th in the country in defense this season. So, you know, a drop-off relative to what they had before, but but not a terrible season um, there at Baylor. And we talked about the experience. Funny enough, Ron Roberts actually had some experience with with uh, Zach Etheridge. He was the defensive coordinator um, at Louisiana when, when Zach Etheridge spent some time there as an assistant former head coach at both Delta State and Southeastern Louisiana. But really, Mark, I mean, it, it, at least to me, if you're looking at recent history, what the most successful recent stints for both of these guys have been overall, it was pretty successful. Um, you know, he, he's at Baylor. He was sort of a um, a guy who served as a, as a bit of a mentor for for Dave Aranda, and it was highlighted by a fantastic defense there um, in the 2021 season. Yeah, I remember uh, watching that game on t- one of the games on TV with that defense, and uh, I was marveling at uh, how physical they were and how much fun it was to watch that team play. And, uh, yeah, this past year, Baylor's defense was not, you know, up to its recent standards. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some Auburn fans concerned about that who watched Baylor this year. But, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze is probably looking at the big picture. This is a guy who's been coaching for a long time, has had a lot of success in a a variety of different roles. So, uh, I'm really curious to see how this thing works out now. Um, uh, going to be a really different looking coaching staff than we've covered the last couple of years, Nathan. I go back to something Hugh Freeze said in his introductory press conference, particularly about the defensive side of the ball. That was when he said, you know, staff has to drive the culture. Um, but he said this about uh, actually this was this was last week. He said in his, in his about his approach to to the defensive coordinator spot when he was talking at his intro press conference saying that needs to be a little bit more X's and O's driven because, you know, he, he admits he doesn't have much to do with the defensive side of the ball when it comes to actual coaching. He's, he's a completely offensive guy by trade. Hugh freezes. And then he said last week, um, quote, I hire the right guy and let him do his job. Truthfully, that's it. I don't get too involved other than wanting to know what's going on in third down and red zone defense. I try to create the culture and the passion and the energy and relationship with those kids, but I hire a defensive staff to get the job done. And, you know, we were talking as recently as a couple of days ago, Mark, that, you know, it, it was a little intriguing that they were filling some of these, some of these assistant slots before bringing in a coordinator. But again, when you bring in somebody like, like Roberts, it makes a lot of sense based off what, what freeze has said saying he's, it's not hands off is the wrong word. You know, obviously he's going to, you know, have, have input over there and he's obviously going to be a head coach, but Roberts is the type of guy, maybe compared to some of the other candidates, Roberts is the type of guy, um, who's who's led a defense plenty of times, has been a head coach a couple times, 
where you can trust him to say, all right, here are your, here are your defensive assistants, you know, here are your players going to trust you to, to make the right decisions over there. Yeah. And you know, I, from, from what I've been told is correct. There's some guys that they talked to who wanted the job, but uh, for just wasn't comfortable with it. each one of those guys for whatever reason or reasons. So obviously he's got a high level of trust uh, with, with Ron Roberts and, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, when they officially announce this, because they haven't really announced anything as of well, we're doing this podcast right now. But uh, uh, and we talked about it before that yeah, with these two guys coming on board, there's just going to be one spot left on the staff to hire for the on the field coaches. So uh, be interesting to see where they get a guy who's a really good recruiter or somebody who's got. Um, a prior relationship with Coach Freeze. So that'll be fun to watch. Jason Caldwell is joining us now on on the live stream and the and the podcast. Jason, welcome. What was your uh, what was your reaction to, to both these guys? Been talking a little bit over the past few minutes with Mark about um obviously this is this is a hire. These are a couple hires where Hugh Freeze is really honing in on the experience aspect of the coordinator position rather than maybe what some of these other candidates might have their, their strengths might have been. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, when you look at this one, uh, experience is huge. I think that's a big deal. I mean, I'm hearing that Montgomery is is likely, for what I've been told. I don't know that that one's quite as far advanced, but I think the, I think he's going to be the guy. But you look at Robertson. I mean, a veteran coordinator. This guy that has coordinated really good defenses, and I think is a guy that was obviously well respected enough that it was you know a little bit of a battle, uh, Auburn Arkansas battle. I think there were some other schools in the mix, and I think Mark is exactly right. I think. This is came down to a situation of Hugh Freeze wanting the right guys. Um, there were guys that wanted the positions. I think it, it came down to the right fit, what he's looking for, maybe fit in the staff, and maybe bringing a, a different type of guy into the, the mix. And so, you know, really interested to see how these things work out. You never know, and, you know, we'll know a few years from now how, how these things go. But, um, you know, both guys, uh, it winds up being both of these guys are going to have some holes to fill owns the lines of scrimmage to begin with and in this recruiting you know this recruiting cycle that's gonna be the first order of business for them and that'll that'll you know be, go a long way towards kind of determining you know what kind of job they do in year number one yeah it's worth that's worth mentioning um jason brought up there that it was as recently as as less than 24 hours ago that was being reported that arkansas was zeroing in um over on hog sports our arkansas site they had him as number one on the on the hot board over there yep in terms of a defensive coordinator candidate. And like you said, Jason, um, there's also reported that there were several other schools interested. I think as soon as Baylor made that decision toward the end of the season to get rid of him, um, we, me and Mark were talking earlier about him you know, having a successful scheme at several different stops, most notably the 2021 season at Baylor where they finished top 10, yeah. um, and, top 10 and, defense and, nationally. He was, yeah. he was sort of a proven commodity when it comes to, hey, let's let's fill this guy in. Let's give him some good players. I'm interested to see what he does with a little bit a little bit of a talent bump coming from I the think something too that's interesting to look at is is he's a defensive coordinator for a defensive coordinator. Sometimes it's not necessarily about production, what they did on the field. A lot of times those come down to philosophy differences. A maybe you're too involved, not involved enough. All, you know, all these things we've seen them too much over the years, Mark. When you try to be a coordinator for a head coach that's that's on that same side of the ball, it doesn't take much for those things to fall apart. And that's what it sounds like with this one from Baylor. I, I think we, you'd ask most defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators, and their their role would would they'd love to have 
the head coach be the guy on the other side of the ball where they go, Hey, you just go do your thing and, and, uh, and let me go do my thing. And I think that's what we're going to see with you freeze. And yeah, something Nathan mentioned earlier in the podcast was, you know, that's what he's free said on his introductory press conference. You know, he wanted a guy who's going to be able to handle the X's and O's on the defensive side and run the show over there because that's not really Hugh Freeze's background in coaching, Nathan. Yeah, of course, his his forte is on offense. We'll talk a little bit now about Philip Montgomery. Um, most recently, of course, was the head coach at Tulsa um, all the way back since the 2015 season. Took him to a bowl game in half of his eight years there. I think they've been sort of mulling a decision, if I remember correctly, of the past couple coaching cycles of, of what to do um, with Philip Montgomery, ultimately decide to to pull the trigger um, this year. But we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, it, it seems logical that he will coach quarterbacks um, at Auburn as well. Obviously, that that's not official, but um, pretty tough to ignore. You know, offense has changed, Jason, from from the time you know he was at Baylor about, about a decade ago. But, um, you know, the Art Browse coaching tree, particularly on offense, is a strong one. And it's hard to and he had, he had some good offenses at Tulsa a little bit yeah, a little bit really good mm-hmm. um yeah. but you, it's hard to ignore a Baylor back-to-back seasons leading the entire country um in scoring and so if he can at least bring a little bit of that um prolific style of offense they had there again with a bump in talent at Auburn um it, it seems like it could be a pretty successful fit especially with a guy like Freeze they'll they'll mesh a little bit together as opposed to him running the offense all by himself yeah i think about two things i think about tempo which is something that is still they still something you can do it. I think temp out tempo with passing game involved, which is what we didn't see much from Gus Malzahn. And I think about athletic quarterback. I think about running quarterbacks in those situations. We've already talked about Hugh Freeze connection with a guy like Robbie Ashford. Now you add in the Baylor perspective of that running game a little bit with a quarterback too. And man, it even it lends more to that type of player, whether that's Robbie Ashford or somebody else. But I think it's a really good fit. Um, going to be fun to watch it develop and that's one of the ways that you can you can make a little bit of noise quicker maybe without having a ton of guys on the offensive line you get the ball out of your hands quick uh spread it around um use motion do some of those things to to try to get some some favorable you know um situations and and you know, so i think he's a guy that's done those things in the past and uh i think it's a, an intriguing fit with a guy like Hugh freeze who has been a quarterback guy has done some of those things as well in the past you know, one thing that's interesting um, about the offensive style in 2016 um, at Tulsa, they became the first college to have in the same season a 3,000-yard passer, two 1,000-yard rushers, and two 1,000-yard receivers. That's not easy to do. That's, not bad. That's, uh, that's the unicorn out there in, in college football. And uh, uh, so that's, that ought to be something to get Auburn fans excited. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth mentioning both of these guys just reading up on a little bit of their experience. You look at both the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball, you you can get perspective and read perspective from other assistant coaches, from people in the media about how much their styles have sort of influenced what what other coaches have done over the past few years. So, you know, it is easy to say with especially with a guy like Montgomery, hey, you know, it was a decade ago when he was having that high-level offensive success as a coordinator. But again, like like Jason mentioned, you know, the tempo with the passing game, that's something we've seen, um, you know, latch on with a bunch of programs The kind of the kind of defensive fronts that a guy like Ron Roberts deploys um, again with a little bit more talent at linebacker and, and defensive line. What will that look like 
with the Tigers. Um, at the end of the day, guys, if if all of this ends up being official, which as we talked about, the only official assistant coach right now is Cadillac Williams. <laughs> but, you know, we we can we these these guys are all coming. You look right now, they got it's one spot. They got one spot left. If we'll run through it here real quick, just to bring everybody back up to speed. Um, your offensive coordinator, Philip Montgomery, probably going to coach quarterbacks. O-line is Jake Thornton coming over from Ole Miss. Tight ends, Ben Agamawa coming over from Liberty. Of course, Cadillac on the running backs, your D.C. Ron Roberts. D-line, Jeremy Garrett, he comes over from Liberty. Linebackers, Christian Robinson, most likely. Zach Etheridge there in the secondary, most likely. Um, and then we know that he, uh, Wesley McGriff was a hire there. We'll see how him and Zach Etheridge sort of split that um, those duties there in the secondary. Wesley McGriff also has the tag of co-defensive coordinator. We'll see what they do. There's a couple guys I just listed off that could that could run your special teams as well. Um, seems like seems like receiver is the only other one, unless unless Montgomery wants to coach receivers. Um, you've got a guy like Kent Austin, who's an analyst. Do they promote him to one of those spots, um, or do they go out and hire a receivers coach? At the end of the day, only one spot left on Hugh Freeze's staff. Mark, I guess I'll just start with you. What are your impressions now that there are only there's only one spot left um, of this of this inaugural uh, Auburn staff for Hugh Freeze that he's he's assembled so far? It's going to be really different than what we've been watching the last couple of years. That's for sure. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good names. Uh, there's a blend of some young and up and coming coaches and some real experience. And, uh, um, you know, the big thing to me is, you know, are you going to go out and recruit the type of guys to compete in the sec West? Cause it doesn't matter how good these guys are as coaching coaches. They got to do something about, Number one, the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively, get that fixed, particularly depth on the defensive front. They don't get that fixed. They've got big problems. Number two, uh, they've just got to build general overall depth on this roster because, you know, if you get guys hurt, and we saw it this year on the defensive front, I mean, things got went from precarious to uh, almost an impossible situation. Um, at the rush defensive end situation late in the year, they just were out of bodies there. And uh, if they'd had to play a ball game this year, I don't know how they could have done it. And uh, so, you know, it's just immensely important that these guys, everybody on the staff, you know, fully concentrate on recruiting, um, dive into the transfer portal, make sure you're getting guys who can help you immediately. They don't need to be bringing in guys who are playing on special teams only. They need guys who can come in and challenge for starting spots immediately. If they do all those things, Auburn will be back in business in the SEC. If they don't do those things, it's going to be a slow rebuild. I agree. I think it's it's a, it's a staff that has some recruiting chops, but you're right. How how, how quickly does that translate to, to recruiting against Georgia and Alabama? Um, that's that's where you are. That's, 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 the, that's the bar. Now look at LSU and what they've done. Now Tennessee, I mean, it's not getting easier in this league. It's getting more difficult. And so that's that's the first order of business is talent acquisition. There's no way around it. That's the name of the game. And you still got a chance in this state to to make some noise. What what can they do with James Smith, Quay Russell, um, Tony Mitchell, um, Keldrick Falk? What can they do with some of those guys that would be instant impact players out of this state um, in this 23 class? And, and you know, look at it. You know some guys that that are still out there. DJ Chester from from the state of Georgia and some others. Uh, um, Ruben Bain from Miami. There's guys that could instantly impact a class and could. I mean, you know, you, you get a couple of those guys, and all of a sudden you're looking at maybe a class in the teens, which will be a dramatic increase from what they were just a couple of short weeks ago. Um, they've already made some impact in recruiting. 
Now, what can you do in this finish line in the in the signing class and in the transfer portal to get to to because it's it's imperative as Mark mentioned, it either turns into a a turnaround like LSU had in one year, or becomes a a rebuild process. You got to do a little bit of both, but you're gonna have to have some transfer guys. And how much of an impact can they make in that market right now? That's gonna be a big deal for these guys moving forward. So, uh, thanks for letting me hop in. I got to hop off real quick and and go grab some things here, but I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, like like we mentioned. Um you know, one spot left. And so that person, obviously, and we're assuming it's receivers is going to affect recruiting of that position, both on the transfer market and on the recruiting trail. But now that you got most of your guys full steam ahead and you start, start hitting the transfer market. Like, like Mark mentioned, they had a ton of visitors in over the weekend. Um, it's, it's now rushing towards signing day um, and, and the transfer window being open to try to rebuild this roster at so many position groups that we've talked about previously that need so much work. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Welcome back to uh, part two of the Auburn Undercover podcast. You probably just got done listening to uh, Nathan Kane, Mark Murphy, and Jason Caldwell talking about Auburn's new offensive and defensive coordinators. Now you've got the recruiting crew on. Uh, we'd like to have Jason on, but he's working on some other coordinator stuff, getting stories ready for you guys. But that's that's okay because we got Lou Will off the bench. We got Duke's <laughs> the sixth man of the year right here. Um, should be a starter, but we've got him as the sixth man right now. I wasn't on the other podcast either, but we're gonna we're gonna talk some recruiting because it was, you know, KN Lee was in last weekend, the first official visitor for Hugh Freeze. But this was really the first weekend. This was really the first true weekend of recruiting. Um, under Hugh Freeze, where they had, I think it was 11 official visitors, um, had an unofficial visitor as well. Um, and, you know, on Sunday, uh, uh, before we get into that, let me ask you, Dukes, just kind of how are you and how have things been going? Man, I'm good, man. I'm, I am really excited to have something to talk about. 
Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, things are starting to normalize in Auburn. Um, as far as on the recruiting front, now you have a coaching staff in place or closer to being in place. Uh, a lot of questions being answered. So now it's a, you know, uh, guys like me or you, me and you are able to kind of dig in a little bit and start to figure out what avenues we'll take in order to get a uh, recruiter scoop. So yeah, it's a good day for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. The only position I think you have left to fill right now would be wide receiver coach. Um, but right. assuming that Philip Montgomery slots in as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, uh, defensively, you would look at if Christian Robinson and Zach Etheridge are permanently retained. You know, they've been working with the expectation they'll be retained, but not confirmed. I think if you got rid of either of those guys at this point, it would be questionable. Um, I think right. they've both been very good. Um, and you saw the results of one of those guys earlier today, uh, Colton right. Hood, a former Michigan State commit. He decommits from Michigan State on Saturday night and flips to Auburn uh, Sunday afternoon, fresh off his official visit. This right. is a kid who grew up an Auburn fan. Uh, his uncle, his dad, his brother, his cousin played with Zach Etheridge. So his whole family has been connected to Auburn. The previous staff got in a little bit late on him. Um, but, you know, Zach Etheridge kept working. And now under the new staff, Auburn pulls off a flip for the second commitment of the Hugh Freeze era. Colton is a really dynamic player. I like Colton's tape a lot, uh, especially his uh, 11th grade year tape. Uh, you're going to see the scooping scores. When he, when he gets around the ball, something happens. And the way that I kind of judge a player is when they – even on their highlights, you got guys who've got highlights and they're what I like to call potential highlights. Like, oh, you see how fast he can run. Oh, you see how high he can jump. But what did he actually do when he got a chance to make an impact when he was in the area of the ball? Colton Hood, if he's looking to score every time he touches the ball – um, I think he's a guy that would have been more highly recruited and highly ranked. Uh, if now he was uh, recruited pretty strongly, but it would have been even more crazy if he didn't, uh, if he wasn't such a good baseball player. So a lot of the stuff in the spring where you got the uh, the seven on seven, you got some of like the Under Armour camps, the whole camp circuit. Colton usually does, he usually doesn't play because of his uh of how good he is playing baseball. So. With that being said, all you have is his fall, his fall film. It does, and previously it wasn't just, oh, jump out off, off the camera type, off the screen type measurables. But now uh, you've seen him put two back to back years together. He's a fairly new cornerback, played a lot of receiver, played a lot of running back. So he's a fairly new corner. And to see his development over the past two years, his back pedal is smooth. You see the hips. A very fluid motion around uh, his midsection. So I think Colson Hood is a really good pickup. I think he's one of those guys who's a really, really good listener, uh, super coachable. Uh, when I talk about him to people that know him and people that are around him, whether it's his uncle, Roger Hood, who's a good friend of mine, uh, his pops, uh, Big Ben, um, the coach over there uh, Eagle, uh, at uh, Elka, they all say he's the type of kid that, when you raise a child, you want him to kind of act like that. And uh, that's what I get out of it. So when it comes down to the profile of an Auburn guy and him being a legacy guy, uh, and when you think about it, man, that's how Hood was. I call him uh, Roger Hood. Now, it's 50 Hoods in that family. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't even think they have a a, a, a a maiden side. Ain't no maiden names. Everybody's a Hood. Like, But, uh, <laughs> but when I uh, – but not in all seriousness, though, uh, the same thing, the same uh, qualities that his uncle had when he played at Auburn, and he parlayed that into an uh, eight, nine-year NFL career. So I think it's a really good sign, and I think that 
the early return. I, I think that the return on investment, maybe not, maybe not year one, but he's one of those guys that when you get your ROI, maybe year two, year three, and you see how he develops. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the defensive back class a little bit in terms of where Auburn is headed here. It feels like Auburn is set up to at least contend for a really, really strong finish um, in the defensive backfield. Right now, you've got Colton Hood now committed. You've mm-hmm. got J.C. Hart committed. I think those are guys that you both feel like could be have great potential down the road. You know, J.C. Hart just played in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. Um, and he's we've said it all along. He's got traits that you can't teach in terms of his size and his speed. And it'll take some coaching, but he'll get there. And he he showed a lot of potential um, in practice and at the game. But so you've got those guys. You've got Terrence Love. You're working Kay and Lee really hard. The four-star really Ohio State commit, the cornerback. Uh, you just offered four-star Braden Marshall committed to UCF. He'll officially visit next weekend. And he's called Auburn his dream school. So mm. you can connect the dots there a little bit. And the biggest thing with him is really Coach Crime, who's back. He recruited him previously at Florida, right. recruited him at Louisville, right. comes to Auburn, and is one of his first offers. So he's right. got a longstanding relationship with Coach Crime, and he loves Auburn. So you're recruiting Braden Marshall. You've got Tony Mitchell as well that you're still kind of involved with and trying to work on him. Um, and then you've got Tyler Scott as well. I might be missing a name or two there, but I think that's – uh, CJ Johnson, who you just offered out of Texas, the safety. Right. Um, but, you know, Zach Etheridge is setting up what could potentially be another huge defensive back class. You know, last year he gets uh, Osbury, he gets JD Rim, who is really productive. He gets Caleb Wooden, who put together a solid amount of snaps this year. You know, it feels like Zach Etheridge and now with Coach Crime on board are setting up for a really strong finish in the defensive backfield. No, absolutely. And uh, there's a common theme there, and that's, uh, that's how long these guys are. They're getting really big, physical uh, guys that can run. Uh, if Colton Hood would probably be of that group, uh, Ken Lee, who's a super physical cornerback, is probably the smallest of the bunch. And if if I was to pick anybody out of that group, nobody hits harder than Ken Lee. So when you when you, and when you think about you've got uh, you got JC Hart right, six um, two. Strong, 6'1", 6'2", long. You got Terrence Love, 6'3". A lot of people think he could play linebacker. You got Tyler Scott, 6'2", can run. I mean, when you start to look at it, Braden Marshall's got really good size. When you start to look at it, you're starting to get into a profile of what Auburn wants to build to say, hey, look, we've got guys that can turn and run with the best in the country, and if they do have to come up and, and support in the run game, you're not going to be able to just take the perimeter over with a wide receiver. You're going to have to pull with a guard. You're going to have to run. Go. You're going to have to get wide in order for us, excuse me, in order for you to not be taken advantage of on a perimeter with those with that size at corner. It reminds me a lot of what the uh, Baltimore Ravens like to do at cornerback. If you ever notice, when the corners come up in support in, uh, in the Ravens defenses, it always looks like you got an additional linebacker on the field. And I think that's what Auburn is starting to set up. And, uh, and and if you're an Auburn fan, the secondary is something that you've been able to hang your hat on over the previous years because there's always been a draft pick in there. Even when at other positions where there may, not, may not have been one, we that like you've got the Carlton Davis, you got Jamel Dean, you got Noah, you've got uh, Jonathan Jones. You're seeing multiple guys that are hitting the NFL from that defensive back group. So now, right. Uh, these two back-to-back classes, Zach Etheridge is 
pretty much branded himself as one of the premier recruiters a, in the secondary in, in the country. Yeah, I mean, look, and we feel all those names that we mentioned, we feel like Auburn has a good chance at all of those kids. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it kind of closes out, but feels like you're setting up good there. And, you know, another guy that you finished, you got this weekend is Tyler Johnson. Uh, moving over to the offensive line, you know, Tyler Johnson visited for Big Cat weekend. We didn't know a ton about him going into Big Cat. And he walks right. in the building and you're like, holy cow. That that is a dude right there. He's got the frame. <laughs> he's six seven. He told us today he's lost about twenty five pounds. He's about two eighty eight now. He's got a frame similar to Bo Hughley. He's got just that huge offensive tackle frame, but he's a basketball guy. He hasn't been playing football all that long, so right. he's still pretty raw. Auburn didn't want to offer him. The previous staff was just holding out a little bit. They wanted to see his senior film. They saw right. some improvement in his senior film. There wasn't necessarily a huge jump. But there was some improvement, and the new staff decides to circle back around. You kind of figure once he you know, gets invited back for an official visit this weekend, you figure an offer is coming. The offer uh, arrives on Saturday night. He apparently flipped about five minutes after he was offered and then right. officially announced it Sunday morning. And Dukes, this is a guy that you like a lot, and I agree with. It's someone that Auburn needs for the future of that room. Yeah, what, what I like about him the most is his attitude. I think when you get guys that are that size and they and and they carry a, a a mean streak at that size, and when I say a mean streak, it's not necessarily as being overly aggressive, and it's not necessarily being a uh, how do you say it? So when you get a basketball guy in the football, they usually are more finesse players. They usually aren't as doggish in their mentality, where it's like, hey, I'm I'm coming to dominate. I don't care who's in front of me. I know I can do this. It's usually guys who are kind of being pulled out into the football field and you got to get on them and, hey, man, please go out here and be mean and all of that. No, that, that, this is not that kid. So the first time I talked to him was uh, before Big Cat. I got a tip uh, that he was somebody I need to get in contact with. Uh, this was way before he uh, – probably in June. And uh, and I said and, – and just having a talk with him, I said, uh, this is a real DM. I said – Hey, look, I know it can be hard just getting into a sport. What's your mentality? He said, I'm built for it. It's just a challenge. It's only hard if you make it hard. So when I hear stuff like that from a 17-year-old that 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 could say, oh, man, you know, this ain't really my thing. I'm really better at basketball. I'm just playing because my folks want me to play. And he's saying, hey, man, this is basically saying nothing small to a giant. Those are the type of things that I look for, and, and especially on the offensive line, where you want somebody to have a mean streak. You want somebody to say, hey, the guy, I have to dominate the guy in front of me. And it sounds like, and outside of his physical traits, I mean, he's 6'7", he, he's got great lateral movement, super long arms, great punch for somebody who's only been doing that for about a year, year and a half. So as far as, a, I don't think you can get a better developmental prospect in the country, I mean, he's got to be. When it comes to guys who haven't been playing, you got a you got a guy like uh, what's the kid from uh, Lucas? I cannot Lucas Ford, uh, committed to Florida State. Uh, the guy he's six eight. Uh, they, a lot of people think that he's the, the 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 most talented or has the most potential of any of the uh, developmental prospect offensive line in the country. He's right up there with me with him. To me, he's right up there, uh, and I think that. Auburn really did a good job by getting somebody in 
who's got the type of size that it takes in order for you to be successful in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, even you want to talk about mentality, this is a kid that he wanted an offer from Auburn. Auburn is where he wanted to be. His family wanted him to be at Auburn. Right. He doesn't get that offer. He doesn't take offense to it. You know, He ends up jumping in the boat over at Texas Tech, kind of have a spot over there and make sure he's got somewhere to go. But you know, he stays patient with Auburn, um, and you know Auburn circles back around, and now he's in the boat for Auburn. In terms of a ceiling guy, it's hard to find a higher ceiling on Auburn's commit list than Tyler Johnson. This is a guy who has an NFL offensive tackle body. It's just about getting him there and developing him. Somebody he reminds me of, and I will say that uh, maybe not attitude-wise because this guy did not have that type of attitude at that age, and that's a, a former Auburn Tiger and NFL Pro Bowler, uh, King Dunlap. King was the exact same. We, I wish we can get Caldwell on right now. Caldwell will tell you, <laughs> he had to be like the most – when he got in there, he, he was more of a timid guy, didn't really say a whole lot, didn't know if he belonged. And Auburn was able to pull that out of him to where to the point where he was able to get drafted in the late rounds. Then he continued to develop until he became one of the better offensive tackles in the league. And that and the other kid I was talking about, his name is actually uh, Lucas Simmons, not Lucas Ford. I apologize. Okay. Um, then you want to talk about offensive linemen. Auburn had a couple other big ones on campus as well. Uh, commit Clay Whedon was on campus. He's been a bunch. He's locked in. But mm-hmm. the main ones that people really had their eyes on were Connor Liu the Miami center commit out of Georgia, mm-hmm. and Isaiah Jada, uh, the number two Juco offensive tackle in the country. He plays over at Snow College. That might sound familiar to Auburn fans because that's where Keontae Scott played. Right. So not only were they teammates at Snow College, though, they also played high school football together. I think it's the San Diego area. Right. They've known each other a long time. Uh, he's committed. I might have just said it. I don't know. It's been a long day. But he's committed to South Carolina. So Auburn's working two different flips there. Dukes, let's talk about Connor Liu first. That's an interesting one where he visits in the summer. Uh, It was Auburn, Miami, Georgia, and Clemson, if I remember correctly. Auburn felt pretty good about where it stood. Um, Auburn had some good things working for it, specifically the aviation program. He wants to be a pilot. Um, And eventually he he slowly, not even slowly, kind of right there towards the final week or so in his recruitment, he slips away to Miami um, and commits to Miami. Um, and now Auburn is, I don't even want to say circling back because they've been involved with him the whole time, but the new staff, Jake Thornton, the offensive line coach, quickly gets on him, gets him back on campus. And now I don't want to say Auburn, it, Auburn's trending. We'll say it that way. feels right. like Auburn is, Auburn's going to make it an absolute battle that'll probably go down to national signing day with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, Connor Lewis, somebody, Auburn definitely finished two with him to anybody, uh, that I spoke with that was familiar with his recruitment. They felt like it came down to Miami and Auburn. Um, and a lot of times in recruiting, people don't put, you know, you see people on the boards and they say, oh, we're always two. We're always three. But there's a lot to be said for recruiting at a high level and, some, and, and being beat. And if you are beat, you want to know who you're being beat by. Miami is putting together a pretty good class, and they've also got some tools – that I'm not sure that Auburn has had up until recently. So I'm not saying that about Lou at all, but I'm just saying sometimes when you look at a program and their trajectory and what's going on around it, the buzz was around Miami for a long time with a lot of players. You know, they were in it with a lot of guys. So Lou was somebody that always felt would be a better fit at Auburn than he would Miami. He just seemed like an Auburn guy. He he gives you kind of like – he's basically – 
Nick Brahms, maybe a little stronger, like all the way down <laughs> to the aviation, all the way down to flying. I mean, he's more of a technician than he is a mauler, inside guy who can play center and guard, super smart kid, a great family. Think like he, he's almost like Nick Brahms 2.0. Difference being probably a little stronger from what I know. And he doesn't and have I, a beard. <laughs> no beard yet. On the way, because by the time you get to Auburn, that facial hair will grow. <laughs> but but uh, no, I, I think Connor Lou would be excellent as far as somebody who has the versatility to play more than one position. You're already bringing in somebody who's uh, similar in profile uh, with a uh, Braden Joyner, who's coming in as uh, one of the top rated centers in the country. So to seeing who would get the center role, who would shake out, how does that shake out and two guys with versatility, you want guys who can play multiple roles, especially in, in, in the transfer portal era when if you get a guy who's a got to have, a got to take, uh, that you, you know we got to take this guy and he can only play one position, having guys who are multiple on the offensive line means a whole lot because you don't want to lose anything and the more talent you can add to the unit as a whole is super important in order to compete in the SEC where the trenches are where you make your money at. Yeah, I think in terms of those guys, I think Connor Lou is a little more polished, at least right now, between Connor mm-hmm. Lou and Braden Joyner. I think right. you're looking at a guy that could legitimately, if he ended up flipping to Auburn, could compete for that starting center role right away next year. Right. I think that speaks to his talent and also Auburn's lack of talent along the offensive line. But um, that's going to be a big one to watch. You know, he left, he declined interviews, which perfectly understandable. Um, but, you know, Auburn's staff feels cautiously optimistic there feels like they're making some moves there getting him back on campus was big Um, we'll see what happens over the next week or so and then in terms of isaiah jada i mean if i was doing a mock class right now i would have him in my mock class i would have him flip in from south carolina i think this is exactly who you want in terms of a juco offensive lineman right um i mean you know you need juco guys you need transfer guys as well um, but you need juco guys to compete with those transfer guys and that's who jada is no, I, I heard a lot about Jada. Uh, they're really, really intrigued with his strength. Um, somebody who, when he gets his hands on you, you're going to move. Uh, gets up under those shoulder pads. Uh, pads good bend. Uh, lower His lower bend is really good, which is really good for kick pass sets. So I think that as somebody who Auburn really needs, if, if, if it's me, I'm prioritizing him for somebody who can come in and play right away. Uh, not a guy that you want to sit and wait, somebody who's coming in to play, somebody who's coming in to make an impact, and somebody who can be a leader amongst uh, young men because he's already had that junior college experience. And in my in, in, uh, in my experience, a lot of times junior college guys, and not all of them, but when, no, when those guys have that easy disposition like Isaiah does, you can kind of look at lean on them as far as to help lead a room when you've got younger guys. And it's not a lot of veteran leadership in a position group. So I think that would be a A1 get if Auburn could pull off Isaiah Jada. Yeah, I personally think they will. I think you agree with that. Jason agrees with that. Yeah, we'll see. We're not crystal balling him right now or anything like that. But it seems like Auburn feels like the team to beat today. The interesting thing that he said uh, after leaving in the interview was, you know, he said uh, he said a lot of really good things about Auburn. And then he said, we asked him, you know, when do you think you'll have a final decision? He's like, I, I think I kind of already do have a final decision. I don't mm. think that's South Carolina. So <laughs> um, let's touch on the three guys who will go quickly on the transfers that we're visiting. Uh, Trace Ford from Oklahoma State, edge guy who hasn't played a ton, uh, but he was here. We ended up missing him. We didn't catch him leaving, but 
those transfers are hard to get a hold of. But he, he could be an interesting one in terms of edge guys. And then, you know, we're recording this Sunday night. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this Monday morning, uh, Dante Thornton and Jordan Brown, Thornton, the Oregon wide receiver transfer, and Jordan Brown, a, a young, kind of inexperienced Charlotte offensive line transfer, they'll be leaving Monday morning, and we should have updates for you guys on the site for those guys. But Duke's just kind of real quick run through each of those guys, what you like about them, and kind of how you could see them potentially fitting in at Auburn. Yeah, I think Ford is a guy that uh... – Based on the defense and from what I'm seeing, uh, what uh, what's my man's name? Roberts was running at Baylor. I feel like at at, at that edge, somebody who can set the edge, somebody who has enough size to get to the has enough speed to get to the quarterback, but enough size to be solid against the perimeter run game. Um, hasn't got he, he hasn't been that 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 starter twelve games every game type you know uh, impact player yet. But has flashed, definitely has shown some talent. Of seeing him playing some big games already, I think that's really important. Uh, has made some plays in some big games as far as far as uh, his time at Oklahoma State, and I think that uh, he's coveted by a lot of teams. I know Oklahoma is really big on him, uh, from what I'm hearing. So if Auburn were able to get the commitment of Trace Ford, that would be huge. As far as uh, Dante Thornton, a lot of people think that uh, Auburn is leading for him. Big receiver, somebody who probably would slide into the same role that uh, was expected out of Xavier Capers. Uh, I'm not sure. Did Capers get back in the portal? He's in the portal right now. There's, there was an expectation he would come back, and then he entered the portal, so maybe he still will. We're kind of unsure there. But before you keep going to Thornton, I, I don't think you can underestimate his size. This kid is 6'5", right. and he's got really, really good speed as well. Right, yeah, so – I think Capers probably was the biggest receiver, tallest receiver that was on the roster. Um, so being able to have somebody who can high point the ball, really good athlete, get the ball down the field. And I don't care what passing offense you're in, when you have somebody who can take the top off and you also have somebody who can win a 50-50 ball, when you're playing offense and you're coaching offense, sometimes you have to let the players play. And so to get guys who have plus – physical attributes in certain positions such as a wide receiver being able to have somebody that you can throw the ball up sometimes and say you know what we we, we don't have the, the greatest play but we know we're in man to man throw it out there to Dante let's see what happens those are the type of guys that help you win championships and I think that Dante Thornton is another it's, it's a huge visit to have um he's he's from the area from Alabama um is he not uh, I want to say he's from the Georgia area, but let me look that up and you keep okay. talking. Yeah, but I know he's from the southeast. So uh, he's from Maryland, can, actually. What? Can we erase <laughs> that? <laughs> <laughs> look, there's yeah. a lot of guys. I think everybody knows transfer high school. We're, we're tracking a lot right now, trying to get everything right. we can to you guys. But remembering where a kid is from is not not always going to be the main priority. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Thorne, uh, from what I've seen from a really good athlete. And I think that that'll be huge for Auburn. I don't know a ton about Jordan Brown except for I, um, I, I did hear that he was kind of new to the game. Um, as far as I, it, it, am I right if I said that he just started playing when he got to college? That that's what I've heard. I'm curious to talk to him tomorrow in terms of just what he says. But from what I had read and what I had heard, his first time really playing football was when he stepped on campus at Charlotte. Oh, and wow. I, my, I would assume, I guess, he walked on. And then from what I had read, he was just put on scholarship. 
Uh, he played kind of minimally uh, his freshman year in 2021, got some snaps a little bit. He's around 6'4", 6'5", 315, mm. played more this year. I think he played in seven games, flashed some pretty strong potential. Um, okay. And, you know, he goes in the portal, Auburn, Mizzou, Syracuse, some other schools offer him kind of as a guy who could play tackle or guard that you, know, you probably bring in and sit for a year, maybe two years. He has three years of eligibility left. Let him develop a little bit more, and then you feel pretty good about him. Um, and it kind of – it's almost like a Tyler Johnson. Uh, right. It's a portal – it's a young portal guy that you would bring in to develop. Auburn needs to layer the depth chart. They need to get experienced guys. They need to get young guys that – have a little bit of experience through JUCO, younger transfers, whatever, and then they need true freshmen out of uh, high school as well. So that's kind of that's kind of where he fits in. And then I just want to touch on Thornton again, real quick too. If you manage to bring in him and Ra Ra Thomas, mm. the Mississippi State transfer, that's who's leader, from Alabama. Excuse me. Yes, yes, there. That's you. the guy from Alabama. <laughs> that's if, him. If you manage to get those two, which we feel good about where Auburn sits with Dante Thornton. And we feel like Auburn is kind of squarely in the mix with Rob Rob Thomas, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss are also there as well, but feels like Auburn's at least pretty solidly in the mix at the top there. That transforms the wide receiver room for next year. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the wide receiver room wasn't bad. I just don't think they were being utilized in a way to their skill sets. Like you got, a, you had a Landon King at wide receiver who would ever, the, the one time he made a catch this year was a highlight play. Um, I'm not sure if he goes back to the t- tight end room officially, but um, then you also got like a guy like Chick Dawson who's expl- who's explosive and dynamic when the ball is in his hands. So you've got guys, and then being able to add these type of high-level guys, great athletes with size, I think it does transform, transform the room. And if you're looking at what Tulsa did, they throw that thing around a lot. So uh, being able to have that depth at wide receiver and have multiple guys who can come in and make an impact would be super important for Auburn. And I think that it'll go it, – it'll bode really well for the Tigers to get – at least you, you hit on one of the two, that's good. You hit two of the two, then, then, then you get really excited. Yeah, and it feels like, you know, even if you miss on one of those two, you're still going to go after a second portal wide receiver because right. the high school wide receiver recruiting is – Pretty much died down in terms of you got Dequavius Sori, and I think that's probably going to be about it. Right. Um, may, maybe you get um, oh, it's Eric Singleton uh, out of Douglasville. Maybe yeah, Singleton. Would, yeah, gotta, yeah. They like Auburn, and that's uh, you know, he played with uh, with uh, Air Air Nolan's dad growing up, and uh, they they think the guy he they think he's super underrated. They were really excited when he got an Auburn offer. And I think that uh, being uh, if you get Singleton, I definitely think that helps you with Aaron Nolan. Yeah, those are really the only two guys out of high school though that you feel like Auburn's still in it. So you feel like they're going to get at least two portal wide receivers, maybe even three. You know, if a third, you know, if they already get two, and a guy that they just can't live without enters the portal, they're not going to say no. They've got enough spots. They've got enough of a need there. Now you figure it out. Yeah, uh, the last two guys that visited this weekend, outside of the commits, you know we. These guys have been here a bunch. Brent Williams, T. Love, Clay Whedon. We feel really good about all of those guys signing with Auburn um, in December and February. But then Auburn had two quarterbacks on campus. It's kind of an interesting interesting spot that Auburn's in. They hosted uh, Marcel Reed, an old Miss commit, on an official visit. And he's going to Texas A&M next weekend. Now, Auburn hasn't offered him yet. And he said, mm-hmm. he's, he said you know, I don't really have a problem with that at all. He said... I think Auburn's being careful in terms of they don't want to offer me unless they feel like, you know, I'm ready to jump aboard. So he pretty much said, you know, this is a chicken before the egg. If I get an offer, 
you can guess what's coming next in terms of he would probably be looking at flipping. Uh, but then the other guy that they had on campus is Hank Brown, uh, the three-star quarterback at Lipscomb Academy in Tennessee, previously committed to play for Hugh Freeze at Liberty, uh, decommits when Hugh Freeze leaves. Now it's pretty much down to UAB and Auburn. Uh, he doesn't have an Auburn offer yet. I just talked to him a couple hours ago. He felt like he was going to get an Auburn offer this week, so maybe he'll end up being the guy. And, you know, you kind of wonder, fans might wonder, you know, why would a kid choose UAB over Auburn? Well, if you want to look at it, his high school coach, Trent Dilfer, just took the head coaching job at UAB. Mm. I think Trent Brown – or Trent Brown, Hank Brown is a solid player, but there's a much clearer path to seeing the field and playing as the starting quarterback at UAB. So, right. you know, he even said, like, even if I do get the offer, it's going to be a tough choice. I think there's this is really, really going to be a tough choice for the kid. It'll be interesting to see where Auburn goes. They still technically have a verbal commitment from Kiwan Jenkins out of Miami Central. I don't really see him ending up in Auburn's class as of right now. That one's a pretty fluid situation. Right. I know he wants to be at Auburn. I don't know if Auburn's really going to go in that direction. But – uh, Auburn's kind of working through the high school quarterbacks. I don't think there's any portal guys Auburn's truly in love with right now, but they right. will go and get a portal guy. Um, so I, I don't know if you want to break that quarterback situation down. Duke's kind of just where things stand there. It just it feels like there's a lot in, a lot of moving parts right now. A yeah, lot to be figured out. Yeah, absolutely. But just to be able to get involved with some quarterbacks this late in the game is really, really. Uh, I think I think it's a dope. I think it's a dope thing for Hugh Freeze to go do as far as to say, okay, you know, we got Marcel Reed, who's a highly regarded, uh, already committed to Ole Miss. There has to be something. He's still looking around a little bit, still going to go get an OV at Texas a and I think people are coming in late after the, after the season that he had. So uh, that's a guy who can do multiple things. He can throw the ball really well, athletic. Um, and as far as Hank Brown goes, I don't know a ton about him. But what I do know is, uh, as far as where he plays, they do like to throw the ball. The uh, Lipscomb, they they throw that thing around, and uh, I think that uh, Hugh Freeze would not be thinking about bring like so. You haven't heard a ton about guys in Liberty jumping in the portal because their coach is going. And usually, you see there's usually all like for Auburn to have as much as many holes as they do on their roster. You would think that by now there would be multiple guys from Liberty jumping in the portal and already committing to Auburn just based on the fact that the needs at Auburn and you got transfer portal guys who can announce their intentions. So for Freeze to entertain a high school quarterback when you've got all of these guys on, on, on Liberty's roster, um, and no disrespect to anybody on that roster, and I'm not saying that none of those guys will come to Auburn, but it just shows you the esteem in which Hugh Freeze holds uh, Hank Brown in to say, you know what, you you know, you can play here. You're not just a, like when you came to Liberty, we felt like you were a bigger quarterback. We felt like you may have been bigger than that conference so much so that you could play in the SEC. And if he gets that offer from Auburn, that's exactly what Hugh Freeze is saying. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how things shake out there. Feels like I said, there's so many moving parts at quarterback. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in general. The next week or so is going to be crazy. Uh, it's you know, Sunday recording this. Next Sunday is the last day that kids will be able to go on campus, The coaches will be able to go on the road because that Monday starts the dead period, and that Wednesday, the 21st, is signing day. How crazy is that? It does not 
does not even feel remotely close that we're here. Uh, I, I'm limping to the finish line, and we still have ten days to go. It's ten been, days to go. It's been, right. a, it's been a long couple of weeks. You know, obviously there's the coaching change, and then as soon as the coaching change happens, you got to immediately turn around and flip the page and look at recruiting and see where that's going to go. And so it's been chaotic for us. It's been chaotic, obviously, for Auburn staff, the guys that were previously here and are still here, the new guys, the new people that are coming in. Some of them, you know, they inherited not the best situation, so they had a lot to right. kind of fix. It feels like Auburn is poised for at least a pretty solid finish. We feel pretty good about some guys that Auburn could get in the boat, have a pretty solid ending to signing day here. Um and look, they're going to have a ton of kids on campus this week. We'll have coverage of that. Uh, they're going to have a bunch of – they'll have midweek official visitors. They'll have a big uh, – you know, there were 11 official visitors this weekend. They'll probably have maybe even close to double that next weekend. Um, we'll see kind of how the numbers shake out. But they'll have a ton of kids on campus. Coaches will be on the road. Uh, we'll have all the coverage. Dukes, unless there's anything I'm forgetting, I think we can probably wrap it up there. No, no I'm good, man. Uh, appreciate you having me on, Doc. Yeah, no, thanks for hopping on. A little spoiler alert for the people that are still listening here right now. I think we're going to try and get Colton Hood on the podcast sometime this week, probably early this week. And we're going to try and get state champion Terrence Love on the podcast as well. You know, Langston Hughes just won the 6A state title, uh, Auburn commit yep. Terrence Love. It won 35-28 against Gainesville. It was a close game. It was a fun game to be at, fun game to watch. That, that was the closest game they've played all year uh, <laughs> yeah. by far. Yeah. Uh, I think the previous closest game was 26 points. Right. Uh, I did all the math and they had outscored their opponents going 15 to no on the year. They outscored their opponents by a combined 615 points <laughs> over the course of the year. So ton of fun team. Hopefully we'll get, you know, Terrence Love on to talk about that, talk about Auburn, talk about his season a little bit, but we should have those uh, for you guys later on this week. And we'll have some more podcasts, me, Dukes, Jason, Nathan, uh, Mark. We'll have all the guys on. We'll have a bunch of recruiting stuff. We'll obviously have team coverage stuff as well. So Make sure you stay locked in here. Stay locked in over at AuburnUndercover.com and have a good rest of your day. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.